Uh, but we're going to get started with our worship service this morning. My name is Tyler. I'm on church staff here, and it's my pleasure to welcome you uh, to San Diego First Church of the Nazarene as we're gathered for worship this morning. Uh, whether this is your first Sunday uh, stopping in and being a part of our church service, or you're well into the triple, maybe even quadruple digits, as we have folks that have been at this church most of their lives, um, we're just so excited to be with you together as we worship this morning. Uh, this is the first Sunday of August, which around here is Church Family Month, which means uh, we will not have our separate uh, teen and kids programming during this service. So we have the opportunity this month, every Sunday, to worship alongside the fullness of our congregation. Uh, our kids and our teens will be with us through the entirety of our service. So welcome, kids and teens. I mean, they're normally in here at this point in the service, but they're going to stay, which is the fun part. So, um, And at any point throughout the service, if you have a prayer on your heart for yourself or someone else and you want some sort of uh, physical way to represent that prayer, please feel free to make your way to our candle tables on either side um, up front here um, and light a candle uh, to, to illustrate that prayer that you have for either yourself or someone close to you. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray together as we start our worship this morning. God, we thank you so much for the privilege, the opportunity to gather together um, in this space uh, to worship you alongside one another um, as a community. Uh, may you remind us, Lord, that when we come together to sing, to pray, to reflect on your word, um, and to serve our communities together, that, that we're doing this for an audience of one, and that audience is you, Lord. May your hand of blessing be over the service and over every life present in this room as we go through this service, worshiping you, and enter our world afterwards, filled with your spirit to love and care for our neighbors and the world around us. We give thanks and all glory to you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Would you join us this morning in standing on our feet? So like Tyler said, it is Church Family Month here, and each Sunday we will be having a song that accommodates to our children and then at the, for the people that are children at heart as well. Um, we will have a song each week uh, that we will be able to worship together, not only by voice, but you'll see by movement as well. So if you remember this song, join me in singing. I think it's an early 2000s, so some of you must know this one. And every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Oh, every step I take, I take in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Oh, every move I make, I make in you. You make me move, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Every step I take, I take in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Here, 
show us how we're going to dance through this song together, okay? They're going to show us the way. Let me know when you're ready, okay? Oh, oh, hey, she's going to, oh, it's almost on. It's going to be on. I don't think he was ready for that. You kind of, you came out of nowhere with the mic pull. Okay. Yeah, just try it Is out. it working? Oh, okay, this wasn't planned at all. We weren't planning on coming up here. But these moves are really easy. It's just a little of this, a little of this. I think you guys can do it. So join us. All right. If you, you will. Invite up Kayla this morning to read out of Genesis for us for our call to worship this morning. You're right, that was hard to follow. That was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Caleb. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for your faithfulness that you show through time and time, through space, Lord, that you are able to show us glimpses of your presence, that you remain with us and for the good of your creation. Lord, let us hold fast and persevere 
in the times that we do not trust, Lord, would we be reminded of the ways in which you have already been faithful to us. What has already brought us here to this moment, Lord, is countless amounts of grace. We thank you, God, and we respond with the singing of our voices, the declarations of our hearts today. Your praise.
reflect on your faithfulness this morning, thinking of the ways in which that we could not live in this life without you, Lord, that you continue to sustain us with the gift of life that you breathe in us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we sing and pray. Amen. You may have a seat. In 2 Corinthians 4, right before this passage, Paul is urging the people of Corinth to persevere. And the way to persevere is, is living in Christ, living through the death of Christ. And what that looks like is to live a life that shows the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus that was shown to the people of Corinth. And today that extends to us thousands of years later that we're given the encouragement and the call again to persevere, persevere. For this life comes with challenges. This life is not always written like a storybook with happy endings, but that we must choose to have hope and faith and persevere through this life. And what a gift to do it alongside our Creator. This morning, I'd like us to read this together as a people of our church, of this church here, but this global church, this universal church, that we would be able to understand what God has blessed us with. Let us read this together. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Let me pray for us this morning as we continue in our worship. God, we do not have vision like you. We are not able to see how this concludes, how this continues, Lord. The option that we have is to put our hope and our trust in you, God, through everything. Through the times that we feel we are wasting away, let us be reminded that you are renewing us day by day. And for this life that we live, Lord, We live for the eternal glory of what is to come. We say in this prayer in your name, amen. Let's stand together and continue our worship this morning.
Jesus' name, we pray, sing, and worship you, God. Amen. Amen. Before you grab a seat this morning, I want to invite you to pass the peace of Christ to one another. If you haven't done that before, you can find someone that you know or find someone that you haven't met and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in return, in response, say, and also with you. So this morning, pass the peace of Christ. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is just so good to be with you this morning. A few things going on in the life of our church, but the first thing I want you to know is that there's a way for you to let us know that you are here this morning, and that is with this wonderful QR code. You can hover your smartphone over that. Uh, a, a very simple Google form will pop up. Just let us know that you're here. If you have anything that you want the the pastoral staff to know you have a prayer request or you've changed some information of yours, an email address or a physical address. It's a great way for you to communicate with us all of those things. It's a confidential way for you to communicate with your pastoral staff. I'd love for you to take advantage of that. As mentioned early in the service, this is our family church month and the kids are with us, the teens are with us. And so if you hear a little bit noise in the background, that's totally cool with us. If the kids start running around, awesome. They're just enjoying the spirit of the Lord, let's say. Uh, so just enjoy that as they're just with us in service. Um, there is nursery always available uh, for zero to three, and that is just kind of on the, uh, that side of the building. Uh, we have several other events connected to our Family Church Month, and that is that we have programming going on every Wednesday for families. Uh, at various times this Wednesday, we're having a family game night from five to seven in the youth room. Yes, give it up for family game night. I, I've told this story before, and I just played this with my daughter. We, my daughter crushes me in Guess Who, and she did it again yesterday. And my guess is she'll just going to come for everyone who wants to play Guess Who. So uh, come for that Wednesday, uh, 5 to 7, in the youth room, family game night. In addition, as a part of our kind of rhythm of the year, we do a summer celebration. And that is going to be 
not this next Sunday, but the Sunday after, August 21st at Crown Point, and we're just going to be joining together in worship, sharing stories about what's taking place in the life of our church for the summer, uh, not just with Pastor D's sabbatical, uh, but the uh, different camps and uh, trips that our kids have gone on, our youth have gone on. Here are some reports about VBS and all that's taking place there. And we we'll invite you for that, as well as the service. It's just a time to hang out and get to know one another. Uh, there's going to be lawn games, always tacos, because we can't have an event, special event, without tacos. That's how we do it around here. Tacos are there. So please come August 21st at Crown Point at the usual time, 1030 uh, is the start time for that. Um, we've been... Uh, Doing some interviews of people uh, as a part of our church. I would love to invite uh, Christy Kiley up. Um, but I need to, yeah, give it up for Christy. I need to clarify that um, Christy is uh, doing this under duress. In that, I've, I've kind of forced, kind of, slightly forced you to. Um, but this is kind of a busy season for you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about why this is probably one of the most hectic parts of your, of your job? Yes, as evidenced by the 30 over there. That is our women's soccer team at Point Loma Nazarene University. Yes, thank you. So if you have been dying to be interviewed, a little tip, bring 30 people with you and you can have the mic. Um, so yes, I'm entering, we're entering into our season. They just reported Friday and we start tomorrow. That's awesome. And so you've got a whole game plan mapped up for their training, and, and they're really excited about that. They're very excited about it. They're really excited about tomorrow morning's fitness test. They're feeling good about that one. I actually have heard that's a beast, the, the fitness test. The beep test is tough. It is a tough one, but they're fit. They're ready. So you are a part of the, our community, certainly, but you're also a part of the Point Loma Nazarene University community. Uh, I'm going to assume that's how you came to San Diego, is by way of working for the university, but tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, uh, family, vocation, how you understand that. Yeah, in how long? Uh, how Great, long five minutes. Want? Okay. I mean, um, we, can bump, we can bump D, he's fine. No. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was born uh, just a couple hours north to Dolores Jackson and Scott Page, and I have a wonderful family. I've got two younger, three younger brothers. Um, we're a little bit of a mixed family in that way. Um, my mother is brave and strong and kind, and I have a really tricky relationship with my dad. And so they split. Um, we ended up in a different area, and I think I feel like what I guess I'd love for you to see is yours or the product of a village really raising our kids or people. I um, feel like what you see, if you know me, is the product of a lot of different people pouring in along the way. Um, grandparents, coaches, professors, friends, uh, other people that might have been involved. So um, ended up playing soccer quite a bit. And so went to school to play um, at a school called Westmont, very similar to Point Loma. 
played loved the combination of faith and sport and academics all at a pretty high level. It led me to study abroad for a semester, which led me to playing abroad um, after I graduated. And I, I would say I've always kind of found myself um, in different cultures, whether that was in high school with a lot of different friends, um, certainly studying in different areas, traveling in different areas around the world. And I love that because I'm very uncomfortable in different moments. Maybe don't love the particular moment of being uncomfortable, but the, what comes after that, the learning that comes alongside of that. Um, after in Sweden, I came back and married my college boyfriend. Um, we got married. We've been married 16 years. Can you verify that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in a couple weeks. And we have two wonderful children, Sam and Maya. Maya is eight, Sam is six. Um, and we've been, Maya was born in Santa Barbara where I coached for eight years at Westmont at my alma mater. Moved to Arkansas to coach for three years and then from Arkansas where Sam was born and then from Arkansas to Point Loma, um, which is how we ended up here. So this is, well, heading into our fifth season. My staff is here as well, Mark and Tanner, so I'm grateful for them. Yes. <laughs> I, and I know I'm putting you on the spot a little yeah. bit. How well did your team do last season? Just let us know. <laughs> our, our teams have done really well here and very, very proud of them. Um, Last year, we were PacWest champs. Um, we made it, thank you. Yes. We made it to um, the national tournament and lost in the second round. But this is a group that has lost one conference game in four seasons. Um, so they are a driven, ambitious, motivated, talented, great group. That's awesome. Del, yeah, give it up for the soccer team. Your coaching. Tell us a little bit about uh, your life here at the church. What, what brought you to this community? I'm certainly working at our neighbor, but choose any. Actually, right yeah, before, when we first moved here, we were 30 minutes away, and truly, it's D. So, and this, I think you all know this, probably a big part of why you're here as well, but um, my aunts, a couple of my aunts and uncles ended up in Jerusalem, yeah? with him a few years back. And so when we got here, my aunt said, I've never, I don't know if she had been to, to First Church, but she said, this guy D's fantastic. You need to go to church there if you're looking for one. And so we drove for the first few months down here from Poway and came to church here really just because that is how much on a week, two week month, however long trip that my family was with D, that's how much he rubbed off on them. Um, and, and has continued to rub off on us. Because of that, some of, as I look around the room or have said hi this morning, some of our dearest friends are in this church, uh, and so it's become a great community. And I think our kids' programming is absolutely fantastic, um, which is just our season of life. The last thing I would say is I love our multi-generational presence here. So if you are a young person looking for a family to be a part of, our door is open. If you are somebody more seasoned, looking for a younger family to engage with, please, I'll leave my number with Matt. Um, we'd love to, to be with you in that space. One thing, uh, one more question. Um, in your most recent journey with Christ in the season of faith, 
What is something that uh, you have found to be something that you're learning or lamenting or celebrating? I would say maybe one for all of them. And by season, I might take it back like five or so years. But um, my husband has always kind of introduced me to or kept me attuned to the writings of a rabbi, Abraham Heschel, who said on his deathbed, and help me if I get this wrong, hun, but um, I didn't ask for fame, I didn't ask for wealth, I asked for wonder, and you gave that to me. And so I think we're coming out of probably a, one of the harder seasons of our life. So we were lamenting quite a bit for the lack of wonder that we were experiencing. Um, learning how to wonder again, and I think that's a, a seasonal faith journey anyway. For me, that requires pausing that I'm not always very good at. Um, celebrating in wonder in many different ways. I mean, on it, truly, this morning it kind of captures all of it. I'm sitting there watching my husband and my son and my daughter, if she could, she's on crutches right now, but we're making pancakes for the girls. The girls come over to have pancakes and I'm doing some dishes in my kitchen and I'm listening to all their conversation. Now I can't hear what you were saying. Um, but just hearing the relationships developing, I'm just in, in awe of that growth and excitement of a new beginning. Um, and then just some things in our church congregation recently that have been, that I have learned to be in wonder of, probably wonder of the hope of some of the things that, some of the people who have endured great challenges are now maybe in a different spot and that has been wonderful. Thank you so much, yeah. thank you for sharing. Give it up for Christy. Thank you for your leadership. At this time I'd love to invite Shannon and Justin up as they uh, perform for us. This is a time for us to continue in worship as we meditate on the song and the lyrics that they're going to perform. Tell a story if my life would sing a song, if I have a testimony, if I have anything at all, no one ever cared for. Like Jesus, His faithful hand has held me all this way. And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in You alone my joy was found. Thank you. 
let my children tell their children Let this be their memory That all my treasure was in heaven And you were everything to me No one ever cared for me like Jesus His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone My joy was found Like Jesus His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone My joy was found Good morning. Uh, I'm going to read our scripture for today. Uh, it's Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, 
obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The word of the Lord. Um, come out um, on Elm Street from the house that we were um, living in with several others in this large house that had been turned into apartments. And head south, you would come to Main Street just within a block and a half. You'd pass the Pentecostal Church on the right. And then if you turn left onto Main Street, you go down the main drag of the community. Um, there'd be, uh, if I recall correctly, First Baptist Church on the right side. On the left-hand side would be Brzee Department Store. You'd go past several other businesses. And the town was not that large. So pretty soon, Main Street would give way to Route 7, though it was still called Main Street, that headed out into the countryside along the Susquehanna River. And if you kept driving and you were doing this in the early fall, you'd start getting a sense of some of the um, just wonderful fall colors that were starting to tinge the leaves. Right before you get to Route 28, be a wonderful old family-style restaurant on the right-hand side that had just some of the best clam chowder and great crab cakes, along with anything else you'd want. Turn left on Route 28 and head north, and then it just kind of opened up. There were some acres that were dedicated to farmland, others that just seemed to be rolling hills with gorgeous trees. Off to the right-hand side, you'd come across a farmhouse and a large barn, and every once in a while, one of those would have a sign out front that would say something like Crawford's Antiques or somebody else's antiques for sale. And if you'd stop and you had the time to stop, it'd be well worth taking the time to pull off to the side park in front of the barn and just walk into this other world inside where old tables were stacked with things that you could peruse, some wooden, old wooden tools that you couldn't hardly find anyplace else, old doors that would be leaning up against the wall that were for sale, 
some crafts, some old washtub bins, things that just needed a little dusting could use as decor or just use very practically for whatever it was you were doing in your place. Some of these things I am sure would cost hundreds of dollars in some decor shop, but here you could get them for a few dollars. If it was a nice antique hutch, it'd cost you a little bit more than that. But it was nice to stop and enjoy and just smell both the barn and the wood, the hay that was off to the side, the outdoor nature. And I think you know what I mean if you've been in the Midwest where the season begins to change, because it doesn't change quite the same here. There's a change in the smell of the air. It's not like a springtime smell, and it's not like a winter smell. It's, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but kind of a harvest smell. Back in the car, continuing north another 20 minutes until you come to this delightful town. And if you keep driving until the road ends, it dead ends right into a beautiful green park with trees, you get out of the car and step toward the shore, you're looking out across Lake Oswego that is about, I don't know, seven to ten miles long, so you can't see the end of it, but you can see either side because it never gets more than about three quarters of a mile wide all the way up that long strip. It's beautiful, quiet, serene. And then maybe you've taken kind of a detour because this isn't why you came. As you're looking up at the lake, three blocks behind you is Doubleday Double Day Field. You can see it right there. And behind it and off to the side is the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, Cooperstown, New York. And if you go inside, whether you like baseball or not, it just is fascinating to see the statues, the pictures, put on the headphones and listen to some ancient games, see what the rules used to be, see what's changed, see this long hallway of names, many of whom you might have heard, some you haven't, but when you read their story, you can see why they're in there. It's walking back in time, but also because they wisely built this field right outside, they have baseball games there all the time. It's this kind of ancient and present, this walk through history, but also what's happening today. It's a beautiful spot. A beautiful place to remember. And we heard a passage just read by Jeremiah that is a beautiful spot, a beautiful place to remember. It's Hebrews chapter 11. Here we have the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who the author is. There have been many guesses, but we're just not certain. It's just certainly one of the most beautiful pieces in all of Scripture. But we have this in chapter 11, this look back. It's like the Hall of Fame. We're looking at the stories of some individuals who have gone before us. It's a walk back in time, which is kind of fascinating because here we are reading something that was written by someone a long time ago who was looking back a long time before that to someone 
prior to them, looking back and looking back and looking back so that we might look forward and maybe somehow this might help us to know where we are going. Hebrews is interesting in that it is a book that seems to be written to address a human tendency. We could chalk it off to say this was just a problem back then, but I just think it's human nature, particularly when we look at our sacred scriptures of the Old Testament and New Testament, and then really are honest about today, there is this notion that there is God plus a lot of other stuff. Or more specifically in Hebrews, Jesus plus. So yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you want to talk about all the other things I believe in too. Jesus becomes one of many things that are on the radar screen of our life that have captured our attention. One of many things that we take as ways to learn, ways to listen, ways to grow. And certainly there are an abundance of ways to grow. But the notion that our faith is in Jesus plus is being challenged by Hebrews. Hebrews is this beautiful proclamation of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has come. And a great caution about taking Jesus plus and putting them all on some kind of equal place. And to do so, the author has us look back in this hall of fame at a number of people. Starts off by looking at Abel of Cain and Abel fame. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, the list goes on and on. The passage we're looking at starts at the beginning of the chapter and then goes to the story of Abraham, which we'll look at in a few moments. But it is a challenge to us in our thinking to consider for a moment what God has done and what there is in our world that competes for our allegiance and what that might mean for us. So, let me talk for a moment looking backwards at our own church. We have uh, interesting history in this local church that goes back to 1907. This church was started from a small gathering and a tent revival that took place downtown. And a group of people gathered and decided to build a building, and they built it um, not too far from where Petco Park is right now, and this was the structure. We stayed in this location for a while until we relocated and built a kind of a visionary for that time structure that sat where the current police station downtown San Diego now sits. So the next picture up here will show you what was built in that location that no longer exists. You can see the wonderful picture of all of the people that are there. Seems like just maybe the vision of cross-generational church was going on long before we started thinking about it, so been around for a long time. Then there was a migration um, to a church that um, some of our people just had hands-on in the construction, the Euclid Avenue Church, where we were for quite some time. 
That building is still there. We sold it to a, um, another church that continues to use it wonderfully to this day. And then we were invited when this university moved down from Pasadena to come and join them in the point because there was no church, Nazarene church out here. And so in an effort to participate in what it seemed like God was doing. We weren't trying to abandon other locations. That's why the desire to sell to another church that could continue the ministry on Euclid and other places, um, that was part of our desire. But we moved out to this area and a vision to build a place that was far bigger than we were filling, but a place that could handle the chapel for the students that attended this university. And this place was built, and about 20 years later, we added the other facilities that are off to the side. Now, the truth is, the story of the church is really not a story about buildings at all. It's a story about the people, and how the people live, and what the people do, and how the people minister in the community. What's the legacy that we leave? Rarely is a legacy attached to a facility. Legacy is attached to the difference that a community makes. And how do we go about making that difference? Hebrews 11 talks about a legacy of those who have gone before us. It talks about faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what the ancients were commended for. So there's something about the ancients and how they were commended that left this legacy that carries on. So it's appropriate to ask, when we're thinking about our future, what are they going to look back then at the history and say, what was the legacy that was left for us? We are right now future's history. How then do we live? I was startled this week by an article that seemed to me to talk about the legacy of the Christian church in our country. The article was not about the church. The article was actually about a news anchor who had dropped in popularity from being one of the, if not the leading news anchor in popularity to much further down the list in a relatively short span. And the author of the article gave his opinion as to why he thought that happened. And the statement was this. This particular news anchor had quite a few Christian followers, and the journalist's conclusion was that the news anchor was not angry enough or ambitious enough to please them and hold their attention. Are you kidding me? Is that our legacy? Not angry enough and not ambitious enough. We have a lot of work to do. If that's how at least a segment of the Christian community is viewed. So that for me was reason enough to dig into this passage and say, what's the legacy 
that the ancients were commended for that might help then lead me to be future's history in a way that changes my world toward the kingdom of God. So we jump in here and we find the message. It's a message of faith. Faith, I I love what Ben Foster said to me about faith. He quoted a message he heard from a bishop in the early 70s, 50 years ago. Any pastor's dream that somebody would remember a message 50 years later. I was stunned at that alone. But he said, the statement that he remembered is that faith is a place you stand. I like that. Faith is a place you stand. It's, if we look at the story of Abraham, it was a promised land. The hope, the faith that Abraham had was the promise that was given. He was called and he went. Didn't even know all of the promise. He was called and he went. He left where he had been and began moving toward what was described as the promised land. It's a faith that is uniquely tied to hope. In Morning Tide this morning, I got into this a little bit more, but the notion that faith is the substance of hope, they are inseparable. Hope is just fantasy unless it's tied to something that has faith to it, a faith that this will come to pass. It's not just a dream. It is a deep, profound belief that I am going to see a future that's different than it is right now, and a faith that leads me to participate in the right now to bring that to pass. Faith is not passive. Faith is active. Faith recognizes that I am in a foreign land. Even though I might be home. Because my home is now, but I have faith that the kingdom is yet to fully come. So here's what I love about this passage. In verse 3, it speaks about what God has done. It says that God has made all that we see out of all of those things that we cannot see. That was a terrible paraphrase, actually. From that which is not visible. God made all that we see from that which is not visible. That doesn't mean that we ignore what's visible now because what's now was made out of what was not visible in the past. I have mentioned before, I love the stars, I love the skies. I'm fascinated with what the Webb Telescope is sending us back. We can look and see things we've never been able to see before. And you probably already know this, but it takes a long, 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 long time for what we're seeing to make its way to our eyes. That's why they have the assertion that we're looking further and further back into history because the light takes a while to get here, a long while. The promise to Abraham 
I love the connection to this passage, is that his descendants would be more than the stars in the sky. Abram had no descendants when the promise was made. And he had faith. Faith that the future was going to be different than the present. Our hope that the kingdom is coming is tied to a faith that moves into action. These ancients were commended for their faith. They were partners with God, not just passive recipients of God. They were partners with God and not God and 10 other things. God had invited them into the journey of faith to bring about a future that was different than the present. It was a future promise. You know, if you've been around here for a few years, that one of my favorite values is displayed by an action. It's taken from an old Jewish maxim that says we walk backwards into our future. I reference that all the time. If that's the past and here's the future, I'm walking into my future backwards. One of the great advantages of that is that I can see all of the things that have happened in the past and learn from them. And one of the great learning moments is to say, oh, and I see how God was there in that moment, even though I didn't see it in the moment. And I see God's provisions and promise, oh my goodness, yeah. And when I was in the midst of it, the circumstances were all overwhelming. It's one of the great practices. I don't know if it's part of tomorrow's drills, but running backwards is one of the conditioning drills that you have in athletics. Let's run the length of the field backwards. Let's run the length of the gym court backwards. It's great when you're pretty certain that there's no one behind you. But you get a little nervous when you're in new territory or it's in game time and you're not sure where everybody is and there's this constant caution, but running backwards is this incredible skill. It's a spiritual skill as well. Because the truth is, I don't know who's behind me. And the truth is, if I turn around and I try and see my future, I'm typically off. And often make terrible judgments on my future in the actions that I am doing today. Because my predictive skills are really not that great. But if I will turn around and walk into my future backwards, and trust that the one who knows what's ahead will take care of me and provide for what I need. I have confidence in my stride. Faith, the substance of things for which I hope, the evidence of things for which I have not yet seen. How is it evidence? Well, it's because I'm looking back and I'm seeing the evidence of the things that have been in my past. This becomes the evidence of what's going to be. That which is as promised is unfolding. It's not yet arrived, but I'm moving to that place where the kingdom of God fully comes and the call in faith is to step in and use my time, my resources, my energies to make a difference. Wherever we are, however God has placed us, whatever influence we have, influence on my family, influence in my extended family, influence in my neighborhood, influence in my church, influence in the larger community. Some of us will have voices that extend beyond anything we could have ever imagined. 
But it doesn't matter if we have that or don't have that. We just need to be stewards of where God has placed us. This faith that has a hope that God is creating out of what is not yet seen, this future. I don't ignore what God has already put in place and allowed. It is a call to recognize both what is and what is yet to come. It's a call to have a hope about that which is in my future and at the same time to be very aware of my circumstances and as partners with God, live in the moment in a way that exemplifies what I believe about the kingdom of God and the ways in which Christ fills me through Christ's spirit to let those things flow. And I'm afraid that it's not simply anger and ambition. In fact, I think God calls me, as we talked last week, to lay aside those things and instead be filled with God's Spirit. And the way I know that's happening is that there begins to be fruit of patience, kindness, compassion, long-suffering, gracefulness to someone else. It takes us down the meandering path that's not always a straight line between two points because I agree the destination is important, but the way by which we get to the destination is important as well. And I'm afraid if all we talk about is the destination, I'm not sure we're much good. One of the readings that got read in Morning Tide was the Isaiah 1 passage that says, this is a paraphrase, but basically it says, God speaks. And God says, I'm tired of you coming together. It's just an abomination. I'm tired of your prayers. I'm tired of your meaningless feasts and fasts. I'm tired of the things you do. It's become a stench. It's tough at the end of that to say, um, after the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, because it's just such a harsh statement. It's harsh because the people have neglected the pathway to the destination. Carl Martin pointed out to me this amazing passage in this Hebrews 11 where it says, Abraham lived as an alien in the promised land. He's in the promised land and he's living as an alien. Because that's not the ultimate destination. The ultimate destination is the kingdom of God fully realized among us and through us. And the way by which that takes place is allowing the kingdom of God to be in us. And if the kingdom of God is truly in us, then there's always something that feels alien. I want to be a wonderful citizen of the country in which I live. I also want to have the edge that I'm always an alien because my eyesight is set on the kingdom of God. And as a community of faith, May we begin to be known as those who live fully in the present 
as if the future is just around the corner. And we live that way because we've recognized the wonderful ancients that have gone before us and some of the contemporaries that are among us that have modeled for us this faith that reaches out and clings to hope while simultaneously having your hands in the mud of the present and knowing that that posture is a posture where God works and lives and not only breathes, but breathes in us. Because the community becomes then the body of Christ. And that's why we get invited to the table of grace, to be invited into that posture, that place of surrender. Matt, come lead us if you would. So we join in this ancient practice. We look back, we go to the table of grace that Christ has set before us. We tune ourselves to this practice so that our present faith may be shaped, that our future imagination might be inspired. We come to this table not just for the forgiveness of sins, but the reminder that we take that into the world and we embody that as a community in all of the places and the spaces we live. As the servers of the communion come up, I want to remind you that, uh, that our communion is uh, prepackaged. It's gluten-free. Anyone can take it. Uh, that you'll come forward, uh, you'll, you'll grab it, and you'll return to your seats, and we'll take it together once all have been served. I want to remind you that this is God's invitation to us. I don't invite you to the table. Christ invites you to the table. That this is Christ's table. And Christ has formed this table, shaped this table, prepared this table for those who love and those who want to love more. So come, those who have faith in God and those who feel like they have very little faith. Come, those who feel like they've done this so many times, who know this ritual by heart, and those who are a little less familiar. Come to this table. Those who have a lot of faith in Christ and those who have very little because the table is set by Christ, who loves you and wants to meet you here. Please come.
On the night that Christ was betrayed, he was with his disciples in an upper room, having ordinary elements of a meal. And he took bread, common daily bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. He then took a cup, gave it to his disciples, and they passed it around, and they drank together. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Lord, we pray that faith continues to save us. 
Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for all that you have given to us. At the stories of this community, the stories of our lives have been shaped and formed by you. And that you continually invite us into a future where there is hope, where there is goodness and love. And that we can have our, firm, our feet firmly standing in the present, looking towards the past, knowing the ways that you have worked for us. And that we seek your kingdom come. Enliven us, inspire us, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Now, out of an abundance of grace and love and mercy, our, our God has given us Christ so that we can move into the future knowing that we are loved, we are forgiven. And we can be a part of God's kingdom here on earth. So go from this day in the knowledge that you are loved. We pray this in God's name. Amen.